and he will restore and he will help and he will heal all relationships. We just have to get out of the way. We have to let it go. We have to, you know, look out and say, okay, God, I I can't do this on my own. And God said, I know that's why my son died. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I want to start, this is, this is uh, still 2017. Uh, we're just, uh, like I said, 13 hours away, 13, 14 hours away from 2018 and years ago when I was a young Christian, there was a a deal back in the seventies and the early eighties where we did, uh, and it probably through the eighties up, maybe up in the nineties, they would what called watch night services. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? Well, you basically go to church at seven o'clock or six o'clock or whatever time on, on new year's Eve day evening. And you stay until after midnight. And then at midnight you do, you know, you do whatever you do, and and uh, we did that for years and years and years. And you know, and I just I just be very very. Uh, the roads got too scary for me. You know, the after hours. You know, you see the signs everywhere, and and I said, you know, folks, celebrate New Year's at home. Now, what my wife and I will do tonight is we will bring in the new year with communion. We do this every year. We will partake in communion and uh, just say, Lord, this year was yours. Next year is yours. And we, we dedicate ourselves. You know, on Christmas morning, that's the first thing we do before we do anything else. We, we uh, partake in communion. Uh, uh, this Christmas, actually, we ate dinner, and then we had communion. Uh, but so I would encourage you to do something tonight as a family. Do you have to stay up to midnight? Some of my older folks like me are saying, thank goodness I don't. <laughs> I don't know that we'll be up at midnight. We usually are. But uh, I would encourage you do something. Welcome the new year. And I say that very purposely. Welcome. Don't, don't resent it. And don't sit back apprehensive. Next week, I'm going to get into a, a sermon in this series on change. And I'm going to help us to understand the difference between a resolution and a resolve. You say, well, pastor, they're, they're both the same. Oh, there's a huge difference. Though there's a little semantical difference, there's a huge difference. 
And the reason that most of the people that make New Year's resolutions fail is because they never made a resolve. And so next Sunday, I encourage you to be here as we start this journey. He makes all things new. But it starts with us, folks. He can't do without us what he wants to do. I, like you, I like new things. Anybody here like new things? My goodness, only a dozen hands went up. We're going to have an altar call for liars. (laughs) All of us like new things. New cars, new homes, new gadgets. I never forget the guy that tells me, you know, I'm buying my, I'm buying my wife a skill saw for Mother's Day. <laughs> How's that work? And please don't buy her a vacuum cleaner for Mother's Day either. <laughs> you know, I like new things. Uh, and, you know, something I did learn a long time ago is even when you get it, it still doesn't satisfy because there's something about it that was not meant to satisfy. Now, this year, 2017, as most of you all know, I had a, I had a, a fifth wheel, a real nice fifth wheel, and I sold it this year. And I, I had a big one-ton dually uh, truck that I pulled it with. Well, I'm not pulling the trailer, so I don't need to just drive around in a big old one-ton dually, you know, crew cab, this this big thing that took you two acres to park. And so I, I, I got rid of the truck, and I got a new truck. Well, it's not a new truck. It's a 2016, but it's new to me. Uh, and, you know, I went and got this, and I was excited. My wife and I, we drove to California, and, um, you know, say, well, Pastor, why would you drive there? They were the only state that had the truck I wanted. So I drove, I drove to California, and, and we sat there. Got to the dealership. Everything was pre-done before I ever arrived. So we thought. And if you're a salesperson here today, God bless you. I, 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 was, I was in sales for years and years and years and years and made a very good living at it. Uh, people asked me. I was, in, I, I was actually in car sales for many, many years. And people say, well, how can you be a pastor and be a car salesman? I said, being honest is pretty easy, folks. You don't have to lie. You don't have to misrepresent and different things. And so we went there, and, and everything was uh, supposed to be uh, done. But then they turned on the sales switch. And, folks, you don't want to be a salesman trying to deal with me. We already know, you know, and this is one of the great. Let me give you a secret in buying things. Go there knowing what you want. Knowing what you will pay and knowing nobody is going to change your mind. And you will win every time. But if you don't, you'll get some. Let's see, do I, do I call it Slick Sam? Nope, we got Sam in the church, so I can't say that. Do I call it Slick Willie? No, I can't. We got Wills in the church, so I can't say. What, do you, what would you say? I'm sorry? Person. Yeah, Slick Person. You'll get some slick person that'll come up and, and they'll just start making the moves. Well, they did that. And, and I said, gentlemen, I drove 600 miles and I had a plan. And my plan is what will work today. And so the salesman was a little nervous. So he immediately brought the general manager. 
And the general manager got nervous. And so they brought the owner. And me and the owner had a great time together. And you know what? My plan was done. Okay? And so much so the owner was impressed that he took me to his other dealership that sells three, 400 trucks a month. And he says, you need to come teach my people how to sell. So my wife was sitting out in the car with our dogs. And, I, and I'm out there walking the car lot teaching these young folks, this is what you're supposed to do, blah. And the, the owner was just sitting back, listen to him, listen to him. What am I trying to say? New things are great until they have you. You got to make sure you have them, okay? And make sure there's a purpose and there's a reason and there's a rationale because we all like new things. New is great. New is great. But now let me give you what I really think of when I think of new. I think of potential. I think of opportunity. I think of a door that I've never opened or a road I've never traveled, a bridge I've never crossed. That's what I think of when I think of new. Now, sadly, in this world, if you think about it too much, you will realize there really isn't much new out there. And the only new is not what happens to you, but what happens in you as you become more than you've ever been. Am I making sense today? You see, except for the change that I make in where I've been or where I'm going. Now, let me just elaborate just for a second. What do I mean? How can I change where I've been? The way you change it is not the destination or the difficulty or the frustration. You can change how you're going to deal with it. Can I tell you something? Too many people live in the prison that they create themselves. You give free rent in your mind the people that have bothered you. You give free uh, living quarters to the enemy who has tormented you. God is the God of the new. So the way that I deal with what was is I focus on what yet will be. You say, Pastor, what about what is? That's God's thing. What yet will be is what God's going to do. When I think of new, I think of possibility. I think of opportunity. Let me take you into Lamentations, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. I'm reading out the New Living Translation because Jeremiah uh, says it very well. Listen to what it says here. I will never forget this awful time. Now, look at me. Don't look at the screen. A lot of people have a problem with forgiving because they have a problem with forgetting. No place in God's word tells you you will ever forget. And can I tell you something? The devil will make sure you never forget something that has bothered you. It's, you know, back when we used to have camera rolls, you know, that stuff, they called it, photo, they called it uh, Kodachrome. It was something was that was you couldn't you couldn't destroy almost. And the devil will make sure you have photographic memory. That's why you have to make a decision about what was. Look what he says. I will never forget this awful time 
But then he says a key. As I grieve over my loss. It's okay to grieve. It's okay when things don't go right to be bothered by them not going right. Nobody tells you, well, you've got to pretend like it never happened. That's not the Bible. I don't know if somebody preached that said, no. You never have to pretend it didn't happen. But the reality is you have to do something about it, which we'll get into next week. Look what he goes on to say here. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. You see what Jeremiah is doing here? He said, I I really had a bad time. And I'm grieving. I've got scars to prove it. But I'm going to dare to hope. I'm going to believe that God is still God. And I'm going to remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. And then there was a little side note that many of your Bibles will have in there. It says, this is the only reason I'm not destroyed. Because I focus on the fact that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin new every morning. When I woke up this morning, I got up about, I don't know, a little bit before five and, and I was praying and, and I, you know, I was walking through the house. I, I try to go outside at five in the morning. I try to go outside at six in the morning, but it's just too stinking cold. So I don't do that. So I'm, I'm praying and I'm just, and you know, the Lord reminded me, he said, new year's coming. I mean, God, you know, we kind of have these little conversations said, new year's coming. And then he said, but you don't have to wait for the new year because today's brand new. See, we don't have to wait for what yet will be. We can live in what now we see. Great is his faithfulness. Every morning, his mercies are new. And then look what Jeremiah says. Okay? And I want you to underline these four words. I say to myself. Now look at me. I, I want to start this. We're going to go through this very systematically, if I can, this morning. Because I want this, this whole series to revolutionize your life. Okay? David said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. There are times that you just got to rise up. You remember the awful time. You're grieving the loss. But then you got to dare. You got to dare to hope. And then you begin to remind yourself. You begin to encourage yourself. You begin to speak to yourself. God is still on the throne. God's not dead. I remember this morning when I was praying, I was looking in our in our patio windows that goes out to the balcony, and I saw this reflection of this old guy standing there. And I looked at that. <laughs> I was ready to cast out a demon. It was looking pretty bad. Anyway. I'm looking at this guy. I said, look at that. 
a young guy in an old guy's body. And that's when my conversation started with God. And he said, yeah, you are. You're new. Every day. He said, I will say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I have hope. As we begin this new year, I wonder if we could look at it as a year of change. Adjusting, renewal. Because the truth is, folks, to to reach out, you've got to let go. To go up, I can no longer look down. To move on to what could be means I must shut off what would be. And as this young lady so eloquently said, Do you want to hear it again? Slam that door. Can you fix can you picture it? Thanks, Bob. <laughs> I told Bob this morning, I said, I was going to call you last night and ask you to do that. And I, then I convinced myself, well, he can't do that. They, they, I don't think he can do that. And so I didn't tell him. And so about 10 minutes before worship started, I said, Bob, can you? Of course. <laughs> so I told him I can't second guess anymore. I just have to, I know Bob can do anything. Because he knows the Bible says, I can do all things. In this new year, we need to make not a resolution, but rather a resolve. And in that resolve, we need to understand there's a promise we make to ourselves that instead of fearing what was, we begin to reach towards what yet can be. Instead of fearing what's yet unknown, choose to hope in the known. And what Do you and I have that is known what it is that I know to be true and can securely place my hope in? Folks, this reality is God is the author of new. He is the beginning and the finisher of my faith, of my hope, of my life. And this is the thing that I can stand in. His promises every day are brand new. And he promises one day to make all things new. And if every good and perfect thing comes from God, and God is my inheritance, and he is my hope and my fortress and my strength, why should I fear? What man has done or what I have done?
what man can do or what I can do. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Jesus says yes to all of God's many promises. And it is through Jesus that we say, let it be so. When we give thanks to God, our Lord and our Savior, in Romans 8.28, we've talked about this throughout the last uh, a few weeks because I knew we were coming into this new year and I, I knew the fact that we have to understand it doesn't matter what we've lost because truly all of the losers really are winners. As we went through the Christmas season and we did the entire uh, uh, presentation of coming from the, the three trees and into the candy cane and into the uh, uh, the wreath and even into the, the Christmas uh, presentation that we did on Christmas Eve. Every one of those things pointed to the reality that God is changing things. And for you and I to get to where we're going, we have to let go of where we've been. So quickly in your notes this morning, to be made new at times means that we've got to be reset. We've got to be restored. Yes, we have had struggles in the past. And yes, we will have struggles in the future. But we can have peace in the present. Why? Because ultimately, he is our inheritance. He is the one that takes us from there to now and to then. He is the one that finishes what he began. He is the one that works all things together for the good to those who love God. Why? Because God is a God of the new. God is always doing a new thing. And as a Christian, you and I, all the hope that we ultimately have rest in the promise that God is doing a new things today. But according to the book of Revelation, one day he will make all things new. A new heaven, a new earth. Everything to where God originally intended it to be. Now, I know I, I share these things and people say, oh, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. But what about here and now? Is there a take-it-to-the-bank certainty that I can hang my hope hat on today, tomorrow, and every other day in this new year? Well, there is, and it's called God's Word. And so what I want to share is what Scripture shares from Genesis to Revelation, the new that God has for his people. You see, throughout Scripture, we see where he, God, comes to help right the wrong, to turn the bad around for good, and to lift people up that even this morning might still be so far down, up is the only place they have to go, but they don't know how to do it anymore. You see, the first thing God does is he restores right relationship with us to himself. And he does this through the gift of forgiveness. People say, well, I just can't forgive. God will give you an ability to forgive. And he will restore and he will help and he will heal all relationships. We just have to get out of the way. We have to let it go. We have to, you know, look out and say, okay, God, I, I can't do this on my own. And God said, I know. That's why my son died. We're lost as a result of sin. There was a friend of mine, and I shared this story a few months ago. 
a friend of mine named John Varner from Montgomery, Alabama. This fellow is so Southern that when he says the word humble, he doesn't realize there's an H on the beginning of it. And he says, humble. John, just a, such a dear friend, and I, I met him, I met him, golly, 30 plus years ago, and we still remain friends today. Matter of fact, he called the house the other day, and, and I put the phone on speaker. I said, honey, you want to hear a real Southerner talk? So she's listening to John, and she, y'all think I talk strange. Uh, and so John's talking away, and we're having this great time. But I say that because years ago, I, as a young Christian is when I met John. I wasn't even pastoring at the time. And when I met Brother Varner, uh, I said, how do I deal with this past? How do I deal with this garbage? How do I deal with this stuff? And then John started talking to me, and he, he, said, he said, son, you got to understand the only way you can get past the past is realize the past is sometimes present in your present. I said, okay, John, I got that. And he said, you know what I do? I'm praying for a crop failure. Anybody ever plant some bad seeds? Okay, let me put it in, in normal terms. Everybody, anybody ever did some bad things that you wish would just go away? That's what he said. I'm praying for a crop failure. I don't want them seeds to plant. I don't want them seeds to blossom. I want them to go away. I want them to die. And you know, God says that he'll even restore the years that you and I have messed up. Look at Joel chapter 225. He's talking to the children of Israel. And he's talking to us because we've been grafted in. He said, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has devoured. All the things you read about the the Bible, the, the droughts, the devastations, well, they went through it too. And you say, well, pastor, I thought we were protected. Well, the reason they went through it because they were rebelling against God. They wouldn't do what God has said to do. Anybody here ever been in that place? He said, but I will restore those years. In Jeremiah 29, 11, a passage that we all love. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, for your good, plans to give you hope, not disaster, to give you a future. Understand, they were coming out of 70 years of captivity that they got into. Do you know why? Because of their rebellion. See, these verses and multiple others are probably no truer picture of God's great mercy. Not only can he restore a life and renew its future, but he can also redeem its past. So it doesn't matter how bad bad has been. God said, will you trust me to turn it around for the good? Throughout scripture, I just put down some little here. It's in your notes. Genesis 33, 47, uh, 48. Jacob, the Bible says, was reunited with Esau. We know there was a horrific falling apart. But when you look in Genesis 33, when Esau and Jacob came back together, you know, Jacob was, he was concerned. He thought his brother was going to kill him. 
But Esau uh, dismounted and he ran to his brother Jacob and buried his neck together with them. And they wept together in a time of unity, though they had years and years of devastation between them. God can restore the past in Genesis 47, we see that that, that uh, Jacob's youngest son, Joseph, was stolen away. The lies, the hypocrisy of his brothers. Yet Joseph stood up and said, you know what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Can I tell you something? There's some of the garbage that we've gone through that God said, not a problem. I can still turn it around for good. We see the picture of Rahab in Joshua chapter 6 begins in the beginning of Joshua as Joshua is preparing to siege Jericho. And they go in to check out the city and they, they find this harlot named Rahab. And they make this agreement with her. And God out of the whole city spared a harlot and her family. Horrible past. But God said, I'll make it a glorious future. Jabez, we all have heard the prayer of Jabez. His very birth, his very name meant sorrow maker. And he talked to God one day and he said, God, I don't like my name. I want you to enlarge the place of my borders. I want you to return a blessing upon me. I want you to restore. And you know what God said? Okay. Look at the book of Ruth. A family that literally an entire name was facing extinct, extinction. Not only did God restore Ruth and Naomi and the family line and secured them. He wove them into the lineage of Jesus himself. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus's ministry was all about change and newness and renewal and restoration He restored the sight to the blind, the ability to walk to the crippled, the hearing, to the deaf, new skin to a leper, the reproach of society. You had to, you had to walk unclean, unclean, unclean. Everybody would flee. You had nobody you could visit with if you were a leper. And God said, I'm going to make everything new. I'm going to change your life. You see, not only, and I want you to hear this, folks. Not only does God heal life conditions, he restores life, security, and the hope of the broken. I could take a survey right here that would take us into next year of those that are here that God has restored something in you. Oh, it might be lost time. It might be a broken relationship. 
If I went through here and I asked you, what has he done? Or what do you want him to do in the new year? I believe if we would just listen to the frosty, not frosty, I wrote the right name down. What's it called? Frozen. If we listen to the frozen song, I I mean, my wife, she laughs at me. You're a 60-year-old man and you're watching a kid's show. Well, not every night, but I've watched a lot. I see God all over the place in that movie. You want me to start getting True Confessions? Lion King is probably my favorite movie. God's all over the place in that movie. I I watched God and I see God restore and renew. And I believe if we just let go of what wasn't in your life or in mine, we can see what now is possible through Jesus Christ as he restores and he renews. Watch this little video. I think it'll draw literally your life and mine. I've heard it. You've heard it. It's time for a new beginning. Time to start a fresh page or paint a new picture with our life. Sounds great in theory, but it can seem impossible. Life is messy. The lines have gotten blurred. Maybe we just don't know where to start. We look at the canvas of our lives and see mistake after mistake after mistake. It's overwhelming. When I look at my life with these messy lines and scribbles, it makes me think, is this as good as it gets? There's no eraser that can make this life make sense. But what if? What if there was someone that could make sense of our mess? They could take all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our missed opportunities, and make them into a masterpiece. And then I remember, there is... Jesus, he gives us a new life. Every day is new. Every day is a blank canvas full of possibility and promise. He takes our canvases, our lives that have been filled up with shortcomings, secrets, tragedies, and embarrassments, and he helps them make sense. When I look at the canvas of my life and I see nothing but disorder and chaos, I have to remember this. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And you know what? He wants to take my hand and bring peace to the canvas of my life. So as we seek to make our mark, let us give God all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our hurts, and trust that he will turn our messy lives into a masterpiece. His masterpiece. You know, I saw my life. It was all those scribbles. Because even after 30 plus years of pastoring, I still got lots of scribbles. But let me, if I can get even a little more into your life and mine. 
Sometimes in your notes, we need to be renamed because a bad name clouds our past. Names in scripture are more than just monikers. Names have great significance. And throughout history and in the scripture, people are and were introduced to us by their name. And their name had a meaning attached to it. I just talked about Jabez and what his name. Every biblical name had a purpose. Eve meant the mother of all living. Isaac meant laughter. Samuel, one of the greatest prophets of all time, his 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 name meant asked for or heard by God. And we've already talked about Jabez. His name meant sorrow maker. But something even more significant through Scripture, things that we don't pay, we just kind of breeze over, God renames people. God renames. Why? Because he wants to renew somebody. Maybe you have a cloud hanging over your past and you, you've made a bad name for yourself. The Bible says a good name is greater than riches, but a bad name? God gave a new name to multiple people throughout the scriptures, signifying new or renewed purpose and a redeemed life. No, I'm not going to sit here and rename people. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you need to have this name. Folks, I, I read stuff. I, I read stuff and I read churches and stuff that, well, your, your name is no longer this and your name is now this. Okay. I thought God did that. There are some who have such a past that they fear it is going to find its place into their future. Some would love to bury what is. Just like Jabez. And hope for a brand new me in the future. Well, folks, God is good at doing that. God gave people a new name. God wants to do that today for you. Abraham was not Abraham always. His name began as Abram. Had no children, had no purpose, had no plan. And God said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he changed his name to Abraham, meaning father of many nations. Simon, Peter. His name originally meant a pebble. But God said, Peter, your name's now going to be rock. You're going to be a fortress to people who are going to watch the ups and downs of your faith. But they're going to see how solid you stood in me. And even when you messed up, you were able to stand back up. Saul, the great apostle, his name was a very, very high-fluent name at one time. King Saul. One of the greatest names in all of Scripture who went from majesty to mess. Paul went from this very dignified name of Saul to Paul. You know what his new name meant? Small. 
little. Do you know why? We have two-thirds of the New Testament written by this man named Paul. And God said, I'm going to show you how I can use something little to do a lot. Am I making sense this morning? You see, what I'm trying to say in this few minutes is when we forsake the flesh and give our lives to Christ, you don't have to get a physical new name. He gave you a new name. Let me, let me say irony of ironies. My name is Tim. Tim, Timothy, Timmons. In the Bible, my name, and we got the book of Timothy. My name means honoring God. Do you know before I got saved, I didn't honor God much. But yet God knew his plan for my life. And he said, I'm going to name you honoring God. And so what am I doing today? Honoring the Lord. Second Corinthians 5 says when someone becomes a new, a new Christian, inside he is no longer the same. A new life has begun. And then he says these words down in the 21st verse. He said, and I will take all of your sin and put them on my son, and I'll make you right with God. Because of the sacrifice Jesus made, you know what happened to me? I gained a new name. I became pure. I became clean before and because of him. And do you know what? I can wake up tomorrow morning like I did this morning. I can wake up confident. I can wake up secure. Why? Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. So in this coming year, I don't have to worry about the name I had or the person I was. I know that God has renamed me and he has restored me. But he's got one more thing that he wants to do. And that is this very simple thing. When he restores you and renames you, he makes you worthy to be called his child. Then he does one more thing that redirects my entire eternal destination, and that is that he resurrects me from the dead. See, a lot of people think that Jesus came to make bad people good. No, he came to make dead people live. And that's the first and foremost he did. He resurrected. Colossians 2, we were dead because of our sins. But God gave you and I the very life of Christ when he forgave us all of our sins. But not only did he forgive us, he canceled. He canceled that past. He canceled those charges that were written against me, and he nailed them to the tree. You and I were once dead in and because of our sin. But then he resurrected us or he made us alive. That's why I can look at that mirror and say, well, there's an old guy standing there. But I tell you what, there's a young guy right in front of him. I tell people all the time, the older I get, the younger I am. Just follow me after a rough day and let's see how true that is. You and I, according to Romans 8, have a new life dwelling in us. And you know what we have? The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you and I. As the worship team comes, understand every day, 
every day. Say that with me, that word. Every day I decide to lay down my flesh, to lay down my life, is a day that God resurrects my life in newness and grace. 2018. Tomorrow. Tonight at midnight. Effectively. In Australia, it's already 2018. I have friends online that have wished me Happy New Year already that live down under. And they... Say, we're already there. We already had our celebration. Say, praise the Lord, you're a little ahead of us. Every day when I wake up, I wake up victorious. Oh, I might be tired. I might be irritated or frustrated, but that doesn't stop me from being victorious. Every day is new. And as you and I begin this new year, let's commit to the hope that we have in God's power to make our life brand new, to restore the lost time, to bestow a new identity, and to create a very new life. So rather than see the start of a new year as something that's daunting, or something that I'm not sure I can jump into because of the unknown, let's acknowledge that we can trust God's sovereignty over the new. Yes, folks, there will be trials. There will be struggles. But every day is a brand new day, a brand new canvas, just like our little video showed. And it might be filled with messes and mistakes. But God will just change it around and turn it into victories and possibilities because his goodness and mercy will take us to and guard us through everything that we ever deal with in this life. Amen. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue, across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.